Hello and welcome to Horatio and the Story of the Manor, a podcast by Andrew Davis. Episode 15, Winefree and Scrag, The Tunnel. I can't see a thing, Winefree exclaimed as the cave wall finally closed, leaving them to only wonder at the fate of the screaming girl, the Lady of Light and the Border Terriers, before adding in a panic, Scrag, Scrag, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Stop worrying. I'm trying to work out the best way to go, Scrag replied. Work out what? I can't see a thing. It's pitch black. Well, it's not pitch black for me. Maybe it's my cat's eyes, or or maybe it's the Lady of Light and what she said about seeing light. Whatever it is, I can see enough to tell you that we have options. Options? What do you mean options? Winefree was obviously rather frustrated. Scrag gave a little sigh before explaining, We can go one of seven ways, as far as I can tell. Now, be quiet a moment. I'm trying to make out the signs above the passageways. Being silent in the darkness proved not to be one of Winefree's skills as he started to ply Scrag with questions about what the signs looked like. The seven passageways had seven different signs, which they eventually realised related to an image of a special key drawn on the wall that had closed up behind them. Scrag might never have seen the image if she hadn't become so exasperated with Winefree's constant questioning that she turned around to scream into her paws. When she did see it, she screamed anyway, but more to wind Winefree up than anything. Eventually, she started to explain the image to Winefree. It looks like a key of some sort, but instead of just one locky thing coming off the main shaft, it seems to have six. Winefree was intrigued, even though he was most definitely not in his element when sitting in total darkness. Maybe it was the decades of being left in the eaves of the manor that had done it, but darkness was something Winefree did not like. Is there anything else about the key that looks unusual? he asked Scrag. You mean apart from the fact that it has six locky things? Scrag responded a little rudely. Winefree ignored this and asked another question. Well, if it has six lock opening parts, it might be quite difficult to put into the keyhole and turn in the lock. Is there anything else you notice about it? This was rather a good question, and Scrag felt a little ashamed of her previous outburst. So rather sheepishly, although Winefree wouldn't know because of the apparent total darkness he was in, Scrag walked over to the image of the key and took a closer look. Well, the shafty part is quite fat and has what looks like six flat sides to it. What's that, a polygon or something? That would be a hexagon, Winefree answered without emotion. Anything else? he asked. A hexagon, right, Scrag repeated. So this hexagon shaft seems to have little grooves around the locky parts on each of the sides I can see. So if I had to guess, it looks like the six locky or unlocky parts. What are they called, by the way? Again, without much emotion and without thinking about how he knew it, Winefree answered, it's called a bit. And obviously this key has six bits that fit into the six grooves in the hexagonal shank. Is that what you were going to say? Scrag nodded, but then realised Winefree couldn't see her and gave a rather huffish yes, before asking, How do you know so much about keys anyway? Winefree ignored her and instead asked, The bow, what's that like? Silence. It seemed Scrag was getting a little frustrated with this new game and didn't want to play anymore. So, with a small sigh, Winefree explained, 
It's a ring part at the other end of the shank or shaft that you hold the key by and it helps you turn the key in the lock. I assume it's quite a big bow. At that, Winefrey paused, not expecting and not getting any answer from the petulant cat. Then a moment later, Winefrey added, I'm sorry if I'm winding you up. I don't mean to. It's just that being in the dark is playing havoc with my nerves. And in answer to your question about how I know so much about keys, I have absolutely no idea. Although I am beginning to wonder if maybe the Lady of Light passed it on to me somehow. Anyway, please, what can you tell me about the bow? What Winefrey couldn't see was Scrag shaking her head at him and his quite frankly incredible knowledge about keys. However, he had apologised and the image was there. So taking a closer look, she replied, Well, this bow thing looks big. In fact, I think you could probably hold it with two hands if you needed to. It's oval, not circle. It has writing on it, which I can't read. And what do you mean you can't read it? Winefrey interrupted. Is it too faint or is it some kind of strange language? Scrag's frustration was quickly moving to outright annoyance at Winefrey's constant interruptions. Let me clarify this for you, Sir Winefrey, she replied. There are lots of shapes around the oval bow that look like the kind of shapes I've seen people looking at in the manor. However, I am a cat and have not been taught to read, although judging by your tone and because you are obviously such a well-educated wine bottle, I can only assume that you would be able to decipher them were it not for the fact that you are as blind as a I don't know what in the dark and have to rely on this ignorant cat. Their conversation was in danger of descending into an out-and-out -out row. Obviously, Scrag couldn't read and Winefree couldn't see to read. It would be a thankless and pointless task for the cat to explain each and every symbol in the hope that the wine bottle could work out what they actually said, especially not if they were in some strange, ancient or obscure language, so Winefree thought the better of it. If the Lady of Light had sent them and they couldn't get full answers, they had to trust she knew what she was doing. Also, the darkness was starting to get to Winefree, and he didn't want to stay put any longer than necessary. With that, Winefree actually apologised to Scrag, which really took the wind out of her sails as she was about to let rip at the wine bottle and was slightly disappointed not to be able to have a good shouting match. After apologising, Winefree asked one last question. I'm sorry to ask, Scrag, he said carefully, but is there anything else you think may be worth noting about the key before we move on? As it happened, there was, and Scrag had already noticed it. On the shank, above each groove, and on the top edge of each bit, there was a small raised icon. When she took a closer look, she turned so quickly she almost knocked Winefrey over. Then she shrieked, The symbols! The, the symbols on the bow? Winefrey asked, confused. Of course not! Scrag carried on, as if Winefrey should somehow be following her thought pattern while totally in the dark. The symbols on the hexagonal shafty bit and the end thingies. You mean the shank and bits? Yes, yes, whatever. Each one has a symbol on it so that the locky parts can slot into the right place on the shafty bit. Winefrey said nothing. He didn't feel that correcting her at this point would prove helpful. And, Scrag hurried on, I've just seen that above each of the seven passageways there's a symbol, and six of them are the same as the symbols on the locky parts. The seventh symbol shows the shafty thing with the oval end. 
Winefree understood at once. So, he started. Scrag interrupted. Yes, the symbols show us where we can find each and every part of the key. We need to follow the passageway that leads to each part. So, I'll follow this one, and you follow that one, and we'll... At this, Scrag paused. Oh, she said, as she looked at the wine bottle, blinded by the darkness. You can't go on your own, can you? Sorry, Scrag, Winefree confessed. I can't see a thing, and to be honest with you, the darkness is getting to me. If you leave me on my own, I probably won't make it. He trailed off at this point. Scrag understood. The Lady of Light had put them together for a reason, and because of that, they needed each other. So, fixing a smile on her face, even though Winefree wouldn't be able to see it, Scrag answered, No, no, we need to go together. It may take a little longer, but you need me, and I need you. After all, I can see, but you can read, and who knows how important that will be. I guess the real question is, which passageway do we explore first? I think, Winefree muttered after a few moments of thoughtful silence, that the first thing to get is the shank, uh, the shafty thingy with the oval end, because if we have that, we can tell what it says, and we also have a place to put the six bits when we get them. So, if you can see which passageway has the icon for the shafty thingy over it, then let's go down that one. A moment later, Winefree heard Scrag's voice announce, This way! Then Winefree almost leapt off the ground as something furry brushed his hand. That cat really could move silently. As Winefree thought he heard Scrag stifle a laugh, he felt the fur again and heard Scrag's voice say, Well, grab hold! Ouch! Not that hard! and their journey began. Winefree's desperate hope that the journey would be quick and straightforward was soon proved wrong as the two of them trudged for hours in total blackness for Winefree and murky gloom for Scrag. The tunnel stayed narrow and never once opened up for them to walk side by side. As it was, because Winefree was utterly blinded by the darkness, he needed to walk behind Scrag, gently holding onto her tail. That said, his ears still worked, maybe a little too well, as when he heard noises in the darkness that obviously weren't from Scrag, he would jump and grab at Scrag's tail a little too hard. By the time they decided to stop for a rest, Scrag was pretty fed up with Winefree, and after mumbling a few words, went off in the darkness to be by herself for a while. Winefree tried to rest, but couldn't because of the thoughts running through his mind, combined with the noises in the darkness. The darkness was taking a far higher toll on him than it was on Scrag. As the journey went on, hour after hour, maybe even day after day, when they did stop, Winefree would fall to the ground exhausted but unable to rest. Each time Scrag would go off, and Winefree's fears would run wild. What Scrag was actually doing was hunting for food. The passageway seemed to have a few small vermin to prey upon. With her extraordinarily good eyesight, Scrag found it easy to catch what she needed. But Winefree didn't have a real mouth, and she had never actually seen him eat, so she knew it would be no use offering him some of what she'd caught. She was starting to get seriously worried about the wine bottle. His courage, his strength, seemed to be draining out of him the longer the journey took. It was almost like someone had taken out his cork. She could tell his condition was deteriorating. The wax around his cork was bubbling, and the edges of his label were starting to shred. But worst of all was the look in his unseeing eyes. They needed to get out of the darkness, but that wasn't in her control. All she could do was keep going, hoping that an end would come at some point. 
She really started to worry when he began to stop more often, exhausted. If they carried on at this rate, Scrag would end up having to pull the bottle through the tunnel, and she didn't even know if that was possible. The final straw came when Scrag noticed Winefree's eyes were no longer open, but had become slits staring at nothing. Scrag found herself talking into the darkness. Winefree didn't or couldn't answer as he held her tail loosely while his feet dragged along the ground. But it wasn't Winefree that Scrag was talking to. Instead, she spoke to the Lady of Light as they staggered slowly on in the endless tunnel, with Winefree stumbling along behind her, a gentle drag on her tail. "'You sent us on this journey,' she started. "'We're doing this at your bidding, but Winefree can't carry on much longer. He's failing. I don't know what to do. You told me that I would see light, that when no one else could see it, I would, and that I was to follow it. But instead, all I see is a dimly lit passageway with no end in sight, and if we don't get out of here soon, Winefree won't get out at all.' But Scrag was also losing focus in this dimly lit world. Suddenly she realised with a jolt that the gentle pulling behind her had ceased. And then she was running, running back to search for Winefree in the darkness, finding him lying face down on the floor, unmoving. Then Scrag wasn't talking any more. She was screaming, screaming at the Lady of Light who had sent them on this desperate journey. A journey that was killing Winefree and threatening her with endless loneliness. You sent us! Why have you abandoned us? Then, turning Winefree over, she took a closer look. It was impossible to tell if there was any life left in the bottle or not. It wasn't as if wine bottles breathed or had a pulse. So Scrag screamed all the more, and she wept bitter tears. This dimly lit place had been just about bearable with Winefree, but not now. Not with him unable to go on, or maybe even dead. She was aware of her isolation, of having to go on in that place on her own. At that point, her screaming turned from bitterness to pleading. She was begging, begging for the Lady of Light to help, to keep her promise and show her the light they needed to escape this place of isolation and darkness. And as she begged, with all pride and self-belief long since dead, she acknowledged that no matter how hard she tried and how far she went, they would never be able to find their way out unless the lady showed her. All the sobbing and crying took its toll on the poor cat, who hunched over the wine bottle and covered it with her tears. Quite how long she was like that, she couldn't tell. Maybe she slept. Perhaps it was a dream. But as she looked up again, her vision blurred. She realised that the dimly lit tunnel was lighter than before. At first, she thought it was a dream or a trick of the eye. But a few moments later, it was undeniable. The passageway was getting lighter. As it grew brighter, she could see up and down the tunnel. And it looked like it had no end, that there was no way of escape. But still, the passageway grew lighter. Although now, it wasn't a general light, but a specific point of light that seemed to be coming from the wall itself a little further on. Everything in Scrag wanted to race to the point of light. But something else told her that, if she did she might never find Winefree again. So, in constant terror that the growing light patch would fade, Scrag struggled and scratched and clawed her way with Winefree towards the light. The closer she got, the more it looked like Winefree was dead, but she was determined not to leave him. Again, Scrag's tears of anger, frustration and fear flowed over the wine bottle until at last she managed to drag it to the patch of light. And that was all it was a patch of light in the wall of an endless tunnel, but it was also hope. 
The Lady of Light had promised that Scrag would be able to see the light, and told her to follow it even when no one else would. She had seen the light and gone to it, bringing the lifeless Winefree with her, but now she was there, she had no idea what to do. It seemed hopeless, until she realised that she had come to the light. She had looked at the light. She had hoped that the light was the answer. But what she hadn't done was to go into the light. So, standing the wine bottle up, she grabbed hold of it as best she could, and, using the very last reserves of her energy, they both fell into the patch of light in the wall of the endless tunnel. Then exhaustion dragged her towards unconsciousness. For all she knew was a gentle voice talking to her about coming to the end of themselves to find the real way forward before the nothingness of deep, deep sleep. Thanks for listening to Horatio and the Story of the Manor, a Tale to Tell media production. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. You can do this on the app you're listening through or head over to iTunes and leave it there. A five-star review helps other people find the show. For social media links, support the show, or to get in touch, visit the website, horatio.one. Until next time, I'm Andrew Davis. Horatio.